What is up, Mod School Pod fans? I'm Amy Jacobs. And I'm Patty Cryer. And together we welcome you to Mod School Pod, where class is always in session. Hey! We finally got around to starting our podcast, and turns out we have a new normal now. There's a pandemic. What? It definitely did throw a throw a curve in our plans. So we have been talking about this for a while and lining it up with education, and we found it very timely that we were going to shift our plans a little bit and start our first episode instead of what we originally had planned, but we're going to instead start it with a, a little bit of COVID talk. And so... You're right. It's a complete disruption of everything as we know it. Something out of a movie, a video game, a novel. I don't know where it came from, but it's our new normal. And so um, it's definitely throwing every aspect of our daily lives into uncharted territory. And we know it's affecting healthcare, education, hospitality, family life, economics, you name it, it's affected. And so, of course, we have a great appreciation for what's going on and for the healthcare industry and everybody that's working so hard to address the pandemic. We're going to talk about the education piece of it today. So it's um, uncharted territory for sure. Absolutely. Well, since Tom Cruise nor Liam Neeson have shown up to take care of us and save the day (laughs) with this, uh, how do you see this affecting all things school? Well, so I think it's like a lot of of different experiences we have. There's going to be some positives and negatives. And so I see all of a sudden the term homeschool is is being said a lot um, interchangeably with home learning. And I think it's important to remember, you know, homeschool is a is a volunteer situation and home learning as it rolled out was a voluntold situation. And we're all familiar with volunteer versus voluntold, but wow, the resiliency of everybody involved, schools, parents, families, communities stepping up. So I think all of that is just the, the overarching feeling that, wow, we we're doing this and being successful. No one really knows what successful looks like. And obviously it's not picture perfect. And there are so many things in every aspect that we've talked about that I'm sure as the, as the leaders in each of those industries look back, wow, I wish we would have done this different education is no different, but the resiliency that's being shown is, is impressive. It is impressive and nothing like an emergency or need to create some creative um, answers to these problems. So it is kind of fun to watch from that side. Well, I think that the creativity is one of the things that is the most positive that it's coming out of it. We've been talking in education and especially in educational leadership for several years now about the need to really shift our focus in education from the retaining of information and the, the um, just reciting facts and, and drill and kill situations and move more to a creative and problem solving environment because we know that's where our kids that are in school now, the students that are in school now, that's where they're headed. They're, they're headed to a future of just one problem solving situation after another and will have to be creative and on their feet. And so I think it's neat that in the traditional school setting, there haven't been many instances that, that we can pinpoint that have forced 
everyone involved to be creative and problem solvers simultaneously. And I think that's what we're seeing here. So I think that's really one of the, the biggest takeaways is just the, the students are getting to see the adults, the, their teachers, their parents, the administrators, their schools, their communities. They're getting to see all of the adults operate in the unknown, being creative and problem solving and creating this safe environment for students. So what are your thoughts on, you mentioned pluses and minuses. What are some of the pluses that you've seen come out of this? Well, I think it's giving schools the chance to, to really step and evaluate what is essential and, and what is, is more essential than others. And we, you know, you and I, we have a lot of contacts just in the educational world, in our state, beyond at the national level. But I think the thing that, that shines through is that we're figuring out that, and, and we know this as educators, that the basic needs of students, their safety, their well-being, all of those just basic human needs, that's still at the forefront. And it, it does make it a little bit more difficult because they're not under your roof. But I think that that has been expressed over and over, that that's where the, the mindset is. And so on top of that, just continuing their education and their schoolwork and even as narrow or, you know, narrowed down as their assignments, those have been creative based on the needs of the students. And so the, the ability to just do what is right for the students as a whole child. And, you know, that's what we speak of is whole child with the work we're doing. And so that's very refreshing to see that. I think other positives, the, the parent communication piece has been very valuable educators, many times, you know, you're in partnerships with the parents in educating students, but sometimes the daily grind, there's just not time to pick up the phone and have a 30 minute conversation with a parent or a guardian about the, their child and, and areas of, of concern or areas of celebration or just things to, to just communicate about and have a, a back and forth, good, honest conversation. And this has allowed that for many educators that have never had that opportunity. So it's something that I think is one of the, the biggest takeaways is allowing educators the privilege of just slowing down and getting to have a conversation with parents and, and families. And not to make that sound in any way like teachers are having an extra amount of free time right now. It's just structured differently. And so... They are, they're definitely balancing quite a few things, but I think that's a real takeaway and just the value of conversation and the value of communication. And we always, anytime we're doing an improvement plan for school, communication is always there, but yet this has allowed us to just tap into a, an entirely different aspect of true deep communication specific to a child and a child's needs. So that's a real takeaway, a real positive takeaway. The other, the most glaring, I would think, would be our sudden proficiency in all things technology. And so I know there's people shaking their heads everywhere that have been the, the people on the forefront trying to help educators become more technology savvy, trying to make sure everything's up and running. And, you know, this process has been going on for decades, and we overnight literally in some cases, we overnight become a technology proficient industry and a technology proficient workforce. And so that's definitely been a positive, nothing like a little emergency 
pushing people out of their comfort zone to, uh, to challenge us to, to do more and learn faster and, and do better. So technology proficiency definitely is a, is a positive. Well, these awkward times or these um, unheard of times generally will show us what we're made of. I like the way that you started with resiliency and how important that can be and how profound it is and how easy it is to see after these kinds of things as well. It is. And I, I think that we know as, as a profession, change is hard for educators and for the educational world. And, and you really think about that and it's, it, it doesn't make sense, but yet it does. It, it doesn't make sense in the fact that we're shaping the next generation. So why wouldn't we constantly be changing and growing? But the reason why, if you dig deep, it does make sense is because everybody, everybody has an opinion about education because everybody has experience in it. And I'm talking in the adult world in some form or fashion. And so everybody has an idea of what school should look like. Non-educator parents, generational lines, they tend to freeze the image of school to when a time they were in school. If you have a non-risk-taking educator, they tend to freeze the image of school into what they've always done, which is usually what they feel comfortable or competent doing. And so the positive of this situation is it, we're forced as an educational society to leave behind any expectations that may have limited our possibilities. Like there's no, there has been no groundwork done on this before. So all that is left behind and we're just faced with, okay, what is best in this situation and moving forward? I'd be curious to hear your opinion on whether or not we as educators are responding and moving forward through our days in working smarter or if we're working harder. What is your take on that? <laughs> One of your favorite things. I, I might have said that quite a bit in the last four or five weeks. I don't think that we're necessarily working smarter in all the situations. And so, but what I do think is I think as we progress through this, we tend to be, as an educational profession, we, we tend to be moving toward the working smarter side of things. But I, I do believe when it first came out, there was a lot of working harder, not smarter, and trying to make things more difficult than they should be in, in areas that were, it would not necessarily have to be hard. But I, I think that uh, it's definitely given us a, a chance to, to showcase that if we can work smarter rather than harder. And, and a lot of it's trial and error. And so, like I said, it, it tends to be just following the, the news feeds and the educational updates and the forums and the, the webinars and the getting together of educators, the, the discussions and the outcomes seem to be leaning toward the working smarter, not harder but I, I have to say, at, at first, I, I think that role was reversed. I think there, was a, there were a lot of people working really hard just because there's no, there was no guidebook. There was no, this is how this is going to look. And so you, you know how it, how it is. And in the teaching profession, the education profession is about pleasing. And, and so pleasing people and making sure that you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's and done everything you're supposed to, well, when there's no guidebook, people tend to feel a little bit helpless. And so they, they tend to overwork in an effort to make sure that they're pleasing those around them. And so I think we definitely saw that as we progress through this, I think things are becoming clearer on what is most important. And 
you know, something we haven't talked about, Patty, is that this could go on for a while and, and it, I don't think it could go on for a while. I think it will go on for a while. It, it it's going to look different. I'm, I'm not saying we're going to be in our current situation for, you know, the foreseeable future we are. And after that, we don't know yet. And that's the thing we don't know. But I think that we have to be mindful of the fact that our new normal is not just going to automatically click one day and go right back to what we were doing before COVID-19 entered all of our lives. Well, with that in mind, I'm curious what you think would be some, I wouldn't say negatives, but I would say maybe some places where we had gaps that this particular situation has shined a spotlight on that we might do better with when things change and come back to what our new normal will look like? Sure. I think on the, on the milder side of things, one of the things that we see that we as educators have been keen to, and and we help our students through it, but this pandemic has given us as adults a, an opportunity to really fall into this trap of the, and like I said, this is kind of on the lighter side of things, but the comparison and the shaming that happens when social media, this school's doing this. Oh, as a teacher, I'm feeling like I'm not stepping up because look what this teacher did. This teacher drove to a house and sat in the driveway and read to a student because I didn't do that. I'm not worthy as a teacher. And so I think that's a negative because educators are going to do what's best for their kids and every student's different. And, and, you know, when, when you find a way to go above and beyond for a student, that's an amazing just opportunity for that student. It feels good to you as an educator, but it looks different for everybody. And so I think the, the being able to step away from that and not fall into the social media shaming game is, um, is something that we keep, we encourage educators and we want to make sure that they, they, uh, Stay true to focus on what you're doing and that you're doing the very best you can for the students you have and, and really hone in on that aspect of it. The other is there's so many people and students and, um, you know, adults alike that just operate better on a schedule that is exact and it is, they know at every moment what's going to happen and they have that sense of security. So obviously that has been lifted. And so there's some, some definitely challenge, definite challenges there. But I think the, the most alarming that we just have to be mindful of and we have to keep focusing on it is the, equ- the equity gaps that can potentially be just, you know, exaggerated tremendously through a crisis like this. And so I, I saw something the other day about you know, we're, we talk the talk, we know about equity gaps, we acknowledge them, but our actions don't always line up with our words. And so I think as educators, we just have to be very mindful. And when you truly are sending out assignments or you're laying out expectations for your school community, that you truly think through the, the gaps that it could be creating. And so if you're catering to delivery of instruction that works for one socioeconomic class or one learning style, then you're leaving out the, the others. And so you just really be mindful. It's not an easy task, but I think that being aware and making sure that you are not furthering the educational gaps that we see in our, in our data and our, um, 
you know, our achievement levels as is. So how are we handling or the best way to handle, you know, you were talking about the gaps there, um, students without access to say Wi-Fi and, you know, devices. So that sort of thing. How is, what is your feeling on how that's being handled? Again, I think that everyone is really working hard across the nation to, to help out in this situation. But I do think one thing that's come out and I've seen this over and over in, in research and opinion pieces, just everywhere that we are at a time where we really have to address and figure out a solution so that no child is without internet access and accessibility. And so that's one piece of it that I think will challenge us as educators to, to look at ways where we can always ensure that is available for students. But the, the other side of that is what people have done. I mean, you see it everywhere, communities in, you know, here in Texas and in the nation, they're opening up their, their parking lots. They're opening up, um, they're passing out, you know, companies are giving out extra hotspots and, and different things like that and different tools to help out. I saw a teacher received a grant, I think from, um, maybe from a, a talk show host that, or not a grant, just a delivery of just, I think, I can't remember how many thousands of devices to hand out to her students. And so it's really, everybody has stepped up for that, but I think that's what it's going to take. But the positive is, like I said, everybody is really trying um, locally, statewide level, national level, going to great lengths to do everything they feel like they can do. And so if they have strong Wi-Fi signal in their business or their place of employment. They're saying our parking lot is open. You may park here. Please say, keep your distance from each other and, and follow all rules, but you're welcome to, to use our, our resources. And so I think that's been really uh, something that's real special to see. I love the great side of humanity. So where do we go right. from here, Amy? Where do we go from here? Well, I think it's a, there, there is a sense of unknown. I think that we saw, I saw something really funny on social media. It was a conversation anyway, the, the mom had asked another mom friend, Hey, when do our, our students find out who their teacher's going to be next year? And the, the friend kind of thought on it. And the, the one that asked the question followed up with, because I'm really hoping my kids don't get me again. <laughs> so I think we can all relate to that. But I, I do think that there's, there's a, you know, it's funny, but there's a little truth to that. We, we don't know what it's going to look like. We definitely know it's going to be different. And so where we go from here, I think we keep our resiliency about us. We do keep a positive attitude and we, we focus on those things. And for education, I think that, um, you know, we've talked about with our with our podcast series, following up with something that that people can do, take away the the small the small medium and the the large extra large. If they want to go little, this is what we can do. If they want to go big, what we can do. But I think that um, one of the things that just a little thing we can do is stop stop comparison shopping. Just we can take this in, take the good from it. How many of us as educators who have a very rigid schedule year in and year out? have the flexibility to 
take in these extra moments, whether that's spending extra time with your own children at home, whether it's getting to have those deep conversations with parents, whatever that looks like, whether it is being able to work outside, you can teach a lesson and support your students from outside when you normally didn't have that opportunity or it it just looks different for everybody. And so take advantage of those situations. I think that's what we can do on the, the little, little steps. And then for something big, I think, where do we go from here? The imperative thing that we need to do is look at what was good from this situation what is so neat about this learning environment? What did we never imagine could happen? And we're seeing it happen just overnight. Whatever that is and whatever that looks like, how can we embed that in our future practice? And you know, speaking specifically to educators, what can we leave behind that we have been spending time on and laboring on all these years? And then we get into this situation and we realize, is that really even necessary? Is that helping our students? And so to really just take advantage of this situation, the uncomfortableness in it, and take the good from that and embed it into what we do moving forward. What about you, Patty? You work with, you know, everything in the the health and well-being of our students and adults alike. So what is something you feel like that, that they could really take away or or be doing at this moment? Well, just to piggyback off of some things that you mentioned, you know, with the idea of the child and the adult, both their safety and well-being being at the forefront. One of the things that comes to mind is that, uh, you know, our nervous systems, our nervous systems do rely on schedules and things that are predictable. That's what it likes. And so if we could just take a moment and look at our new normal, look at what it looks like, and create schedules that, you know, have flexibility around them, but something where there's a dependable system or a flow that we can bring back into routine for our systems. It may look different, and that's okay. If you're in charge of your schedule, you can change that up a bit. Um, Nervous systems talk continued. It's going to be important for those in charge, be it the administrators or the parents at home, to maintain a self-care practice such that they can be level-headed and in a good place when they are dealing with those who are looking to them for guidance because children will rely upon the adults lead you know how are they behaving do they seem nervous are they reading our verbal cues or are we having a a grumpy day oh they'll pick up on that and they will they will respond in kind same goes to leaders and how they're handling staff and such as well so just being mindful around those kinds of things. Um, You mentioned listening and communicating. Those things are also very important. Sometimes from a child, a a request for you to watch me or to look at what I drew is really a request for what we would call co-regulation or attunement to something that is calm, trying to attach to home base to feel safe and secure. So those are some things that came to mind as you were speaking where self-care is going to be important for the adults in charge so that the other people, young people or staff can jump on board and feel safe and supported in these rocky waters to make a a water metaphor out of it. (laughs) I I like, I mean, and all that's, it's all great and hits the point. I mean, hits everything that's um, so important right now. And, 
we talk a lot about trauma with students and that they've gone through and, and there's a lot of studies and just a lot of focus on that right now, which has been needed for years. And so I think we also have to be mindful that we don't want to turn this into something that students look back on in a few years as being a traumatic experience in a way that we could have prevented it. And so I think that you, you said it very well, the, the attitude and the, the vibe that we send as adults is, is greatly affecting our next generation and the students and our own children. And so just to be very mindful of that, but great points. You also mentioned communication and just to piggyback on that also briefly, I am witnessing more in-depth conversations with educators and parents as opposed to reminder phone calls, which I think can be a great thing. It develops a relationship around that child specifically. And you're not speaking to a group as a whole. You're speaking one-on-one with a parent about a child. So I feel like there's room to attach that onto our new normal if possible. Absolutely. I think it's one of the best takeaways and for whatever reason, and you know, we've both worked in education for a very long time, but one of the just unusual things that, or I guess just habits you would call it is in many cases, there is a resistance to pick up the phone and just have a conversation with parents. And I think parents would say the same thing. They're resistant to pick up the phone and just have a conversation with a teacher. So I think, again, I mentioned it earlier, just the slowing down and being able to comfortably see what that looks like and, and how that makes us feel that we are communicating that information to the parents and that we're understanding one another. I think it's very important for the future of education. Well, Amy, these are definitely some new times, new ways of being. And as educators, we're going to have to leave behind all of the old ways of doing things and allow our potential to shine through, jump, hold, and grab that. It's been fun to discuss this today, and I am curious to see where we land. All right, everyone. Class dismissed.